Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the DJ Sessions Presents the Virtual Sessions. I'm your host, Darren, and right now I'm sitting in the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington, and my guest coming in all the way from down under Sydney, Australia, we have Lauren Yates from Rave It Up on the show today. How you doing, Lauren? Oh, fantastic. Great to be here with you today, Darren. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you know we came across each other by doing a little bit of outreach, came across your website podcast series, and we want to let our DJ Sessions fans know all about you. So tell us a little bit about Rave It Up and what it's all about. Well, where do I start? We've been around for <laughs> about 12 years now. <laughs> so I did start off in uh, at the, just the website as a bit of like a little blog because I loved entertainment and celebrities um, and I just found their lives really exciting. And then when I started to get into interviewing, I was like, oh, YouTube's the way to go. Um, I actually got into a little side note into radio for like eight or nine years doing the show as well. And then uh, I just finished uh, October, I think two years ago now, time's flown by. Um, and I just realized, well, a lot of my audience weren't listening live to the radio show anymore. So I thought podcast space, that's where my audience is. They prefer listening in their own time and on the internet and everything. Uh, so that's I kind of went down that path a couple of years ago and have never looked back since. I absolutely love it. Um, so if anybody hasn't heard of Rave It Up before, we interview obviously a lot of celebrities. That is like our, our go-to. That's how it's all started. But now I'm really branching into a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, um, just people with really cool stories. You know, I feel like everybody has a really cool story to tell. Um, and everybody that I talk to has a life that they can rave about. <laughs> you know, that is so parallel. It reminds me of how I first got started and, and, and going back in time, um, I, sometimes I tell people, I go, I've been in the film and television business or dealing with media for the past 42 years. And they're like, what? How can you be doing that for 42 years? You look like you're 27 or something. I'm like, no, I'm 48 years old. And I started playing I with video. really well. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I play, and this is no makeup or hair. I don't have budget for that right now. Um, but uh, because I have no hair. <laughs> it's all in the lighting. <laughs> it's all in the lighting. It is. I got two nice LED panels because I upgraded. Me too. <laughs> but yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. But no, I started playing with a video camera at the age of six. And I was always fond of movies and watching movies and TV shows. And when my high school offered the first ever video production class in the state of Washington, I, I don't even know any other schools that were offering it really. Um, I obviously said yes and gravitated to right towards the program and was already miles ahead of the other kids because I had been playing with video cameras and VCRs and making short films and stuff uh, as a kid. But right out of high school, I had an opportunity to work on a public access television show. And um, oh, there was cool. only broadcast television or public access for distribution, for video distribution, that is, and um, was on that for a number of years and then left that to go work and executive produce my own shows to NBC and Fox and uh, put my own series on, which started out as kind of a variety series, uh, which started with a short film show and then it went to nightlife and then we did sports. Then we came back and rebranded and then ITV was born and, you know, it kind of went that way. But um, just like you went to YouTube and then you kind of went to radio, we saw broadcast television as kind of a limited medium when podcasting came out and that people mm. could get our shows on demand and subscribe to them. But it was when the video iPod actually 
came out was the linchpin because now people would take our show on the go with them in their pocket. You know, before yeah, that, yeah. it was a computer. So you've seen all that and you started in high school as well. Yes. Um, <laughs> was there programs dedicated to help you out? Did you have to piecemeal things together yourself or how, how did that, how did you get started? Well, especially when I'm, I started at 16, you know, a lot of people, especially getting interviews was so hard because it was like, why would we give a little 16 year old girl a break, you know? <laughs> um, and you know, a lot of people in school, I, I did get bullied for it a lot. Cause yeah, one of the, uh, I guess my step, my little toe into the industry, um, before I actually started the Rave It Up website was, um, one of the top Justin Bieber fan sites in Australia. I was a huge fan of his back in like 2010. And I was actually one of 10 girls in Australia to meet him. And I just got bullied a lot for that. Cause I was like, oh my God, she's got a Justin Bieber fan site. <laughs> you can understand. <laughs> and then, um, I grew Rave It Up from that because I just, no offense, got a bit sick of just writing about Justin Bieber all the time. <laughs> I wanted to write about everybody else. So um, when I did start kind of branching out and wanting to interview these people, it was really difficult. I just had to, I was, I'm so grateful to this day for the people that gave me a break and wanted to come on the show, um, especially when, you know, I watch my old interviews and I cringe a little bit like, oh, God, I can't believe I said that or you know, I, I, I just looked nervous. Yeah, um, <laughs> so when um, back in those days, I just had to, I guess, prove myself and just keep doing as much content as possible. Um, and radio really, really helped with that because it was in community radio that I could actually just get all my, you know, I guess my hours up and get used to talking live and get used to doing even pre-recorded -record, pre -recorded interviews. And then it was it was starting to branch out into, I guess, international interviews after that. But yeah, it was very, very difficult in the beginning as a 16 year old. But uh, in terms yeah. of, I guess, I get programs that you said, um, I did after I left school. It was funny, I just wanted to fully focus on Rave It Up. And my mom's like, no, look at all the people you look up to. You know, back in then, I used to love E News and used to look up to Juliana Rancic, the, one of the hosts. And mom's like, Go read her bio. I bet you she's gone and gotten, you know, a degree in journalism. And yes, she she was right. Mothers are always right, aren't they? Uh, <laughs> and so with a lot of other people I looked up to. So I thought, you know what, I might as well go and study. Uh, so I did do two years of a journalism degree. Uh, started off as just a diploma, and then I continued on and went to a private college for that in the city of Sydney. Because um, in terms of like if you go to university here for a journalism degree, it takes like four or five years and I got it done in two. So I could really just get what I needed done and then go back and focus on Rave It Up again. Uh, but it definitely, I'm so grateful for my mother. Thank you, mom, <laughs> that I actually got to um, ex expand that experience and my knowledge of journalism in print, radio and TV. I think, you know, that was the one thing that I realized I took, my last $800 that I had, um, I had done pretty well in the dot-com era in the late 90s, but I took the last $800 I had and I said, you know what, I really want to be serious about this executive producer thing because I had an opportunity to work on a late night television series and was immediately went from over-glorified production assistant to associate producer and I had to learn all yeah. the ins and outs of the business reading all these books and I, so I took my last $800 and I went to school to go get a business degree with the intent of running my own production company to produce my 
television series that I wanted to put online and, and did that and while in college. I started a student media services department. I was part of the whole film program at the film club going, worked with the, the video production department and did student projects for the school, uh, video projects and things of that nature. But I think the key thing that I heard, you know, you said you went to school and got an education. And I think that was a, another key or pivotal moment in my career as well, because it gave me the, I thought, this is a funny little story. When I wrote my first paper in college in English 100 class, which is bonehead basic English, I got an A on it. And I'm like, see, I knew I was smart. <laughs> Two and a half years later, when I'm writing theses in like 15, 20 page theses, almost like in my sleep, not even thinking about it. I went back and looked at that paper and went, oh my God, I was such an idiot. <laughs> like, I don't think I could have ever gotten where I'm at, at today without education or going to school. I'm a huge great. proponent for that. Um, and, and the networking and people you meet there too. I mean, you're going to school, there's people there to help you out. One other thing that I noticed though about Rave It Up, and this is kind of in the bio in the about section here, you also talk about mental health, depression, anxiety, and bullying. Give us a little insight behind why that awareness campaign or why you pay attention to those, those um, topics. Well, especially when I started being a young kid, you know, I experienced bullying myself, but not as bad as kids are experiencing it now. Um, you know, it's, it's horrifying, the stories I hear. But obviously, when I started, I did have a much younger audience. It's starting to grow up now. You know, I have also parents and grandparents listening. So it's great having that variety of different guests that I can reach anybody and everybody. But in terms of, you know, I guess focusing on those areas i wanted to make sure that in my interviews as cliche as it sounds i'm changing the world for the better and people yeah. are actually learning things from these interviews um it's mm -hmm. not just a, a way for people to promote what they want to promote you know there are mm -hmm. some really good stories that come out of it and these celebrities we tend to put them up on pedestals and like they're not really human beings they are we've all been as human beings through everything that pretty much I'd say 99% of the same things in life and a lot of them started off really shy believe it or not I was the shyest person you would have ever met until like 16 um just before rape it up and you know a lot of them have gone through bullying and hardships and challenges and have pushed out the other end and now look at them so um to to kind of show that these to these young listeners i still say listeners for back in my radio days <laughs> when you when i'm showcasing to these listeners that hey you're not alone the people you look up to your idols have been through the same thing and they've gotten through it stronger that you can as well um and also you know i i know that um there's so many uh i guess so many different stories out there. Like, you know, when I wrote my book, that's pretty much I, every single uh, interview, I do a question called uh, saying, knowing what you know now, what would you tell your 14 year old self? And it's a great opportunity for them to open up about their childhood and talk about what they've gone through. And uh, that, that book's just filled with some of my favorite guests, favorite quotes um, and every, there is an underlying kind of message nearly to everybody, but also everybody has a different story. So it's really nice to, Put that out there and I know that especially these days there's so much more anxiety there's so much more depression um, and I just don't think it's talked about enough so it's something I definitely wanted to bring to the surface especially over the last couple of years with COVID as well you know we were just talking about this before and we don't really like talking about it that much <laughs> but it is something that you know instead of looking at the negatives 
of COVID, I, you know, I, depression is a, obviously um, mm -hmm. a very negative thing coming out of it, but the whole mental health side of it, what everyone did to make their mental health better through those, you know, through the lockdowns and through the difficult challenges, whether it's financial or just relationships or anything like that, it's something that, you know, there's some, some people might be trying different things than, than yourself, you know, like, oh, maybe I haven't done this yet for my mental health. Maybe I should try that and it might help me. So uh, it's really good to just kind of put tips and tricks out there. Um, I could, probably shouldn't call them tricks, but tips out there to help your mental health. And because I feel like we always look after our physical health. A lot of us, we go to the gym and we forget about that. You've got to do the exact same thing for your mental health as well. You know, I, that, that resonates, that mission kind of mission statement or cause resonates with me so well because after being in the nightclub scene for 30 plus years, um, I, a few years ago, took a very, very vocal stance against the cyberbullying, the trolling, the negativity that was going on by the quote unquote elites of the scene when they would promote literally a message of, love, peace, unity, and respect, and they weren't doing it themselves. And they'd start doing the gang mentality. I have literally had to do suicide watch for about people I can count on my hands about 10 times with people that have come to me saying, this person's bullying me. They're all ganged up on me. All I did was say this. And you read it and you're like, that really wasn't anything. It's just a difference of opinion. And you watch these people try to twist the stories and then you have the chemical abuse and the substance abuse inside of the nightlife scene on top of that. And people are trying to get away and release and have a good time, yet they get caught up in the drama of the scene. And it always has perplexed me, especially in, in, in the scene that I'm in here, that with the amount of celebrities and people that I've talked to from around the world, they're the most humble, most kind, most down-to-earth, genuine people. Of course. What do you need? Like, like if you saw them walking on the street, like, here's the shirt off my back. What mm. can I do to help you out? They're not all in the ego of the entertainment ego that can happen to some people. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sad that some people use that weight and throw it around on others to bully them around them. I just, I don't, well, is, I've, yeah, I've, I've never liked that. Very, yeah. It's a disadvantage for us, unfortunately, for being in the entertainment industry. You know, I'm sure you might like, uh, receive the exact same thing with, especially having a show on the internet that mm -hmm. I, when I started this, like it wasn't that many bad comments but now after 12 years most of my comments i probably see are bad and i'm like well uh, i still know i have heaps and heaps of fans that's what matters when i read the good stuff i'm like that's what i'll remember but i try not to read it at all now just for exactly the mental health side of things but also kids that aren't even in entertainment or have a spotlight uh, are getting it even worse than us um, but you know we're trying to I guess put have a platform to have a voice for either us or for um, you know our guests um, but it, it's horrible to hear about some of the stories you know I think the big thing that woke me up to the, the reason of why I wanted to put it more in my interviews was um, when I moved out a couple of years ago out of my family's home and went out by myself now I'm living with my partner but um when I was living with my parents um a boy just a neighbor across the road he was only 16 and he committed suicide and that was the biggest wake-up call to me and it was all just because of cyberbullying yeah and him not feeling like he was important anymore and I was like oh my goodness he he was not even 
you know, he wasn't even 18 yet. You know, he still had a whole life ahead of him. And I know that there's so many people out there um, that we've unfortunately lost as well at those young ages, even younger than that. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I had to do something and this is the best way I could do it. And hopefully it's working. Yeah, definitely. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. What, what are three major things, three things that create inspiration for you? Oh, that's a fantastic question, Darren. <laughs> three things. Oh, um, well, I, in terms of like inspiration for my interviews or just inspiration for life? <laughs> the things that keep you going. Keep me going. Yes. Um, I think a huge inspiration, uh, and they're going to feel, they might, they might, might cry after this, but, uh, <laughs> biggest inspirations have actually been my parents from day one. Um, I'm an only child, so I'm very close to them. Uh, but also they've been the number one supporters from day one. Like I'm very, very blessed. And I know not a lot of other people have these type of parents, but from day one, they said, go chase your dreams. You know, the, <laughs> this is how they phrase it. The boring nine to five jobs will always be there <laughs> if you need to fall back upon them. But you only live once, so you might as well love what you do. So go mm -hmm. find what your dream is. And even though, you know, especially uh, doing those hard yards in the beginning for Rave It Up, making no money, it was, there's so many times I wanted to give up. <laughs> and they're just like, no, you love it, keep going. And every single interview, it would bring it. That's another another um, point of my inspiration is the people I interview. You know, I could be having a crap day and not feeling great, didn't really want to do the interview. And then, as you said, a lot of the people you interview are so down to earth, they're humble, and they're just so passionate and motivated and they love what they do. And because I'm, you know, such a people person now and love talking to people, that would be my second inspiration. Um, but... Uh, Sorry, the point with my the parent my parents though my my dad's a, a pilot and he worked so hard to get to where he is because it's so much easier for them now. Um, but back in the day, he was traveling all around the country just to find trying to find a job, and didn't even have enough money or fuel to get back home. So he had to go find a job. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I find that a huge inspiration that he knew what he wanted to do, laser focused, and went for it. Um, so that, that would be my two inspirations. My third inspiration, hmm, what else keeps me going? I think like going back to what we're talking about with helping kids um, has mm. been a big inspiration from day one that I don't want, like uh, what I went through was nothing, as I said, compared to what some of the kids are going through now with cyberbullying and I don't want them to go through that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I'm going to say that's my third one. Yeah. <laughs> Very fantastic question. You really got me thinking there, Darren. <laughs> You're welcome. And, you know, it, it, something that, like, resonates with me, I was, one of the policies we have here on the DJ sessions is in the industry it's called open tables, or you might hear, like, in the corporate world, you hear open door. We have an open mm -hmm. door policy. Well, on the DJ sessions we have an open table policy, which means – we're not looking just to talk with the celebrities. If you're a brand new DJ and you want to hang out and you want to network, you want to have it's you want to have some fun. You have a passion for playing music. Come be on our show and have some fun with us. You might learn something. You might meet someone. You might go somewhere. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm now taking people with me to go to Amsterdam this this October to go to one of the world's largest music events. You know, oh, so and, envious. And, Wish I could join. 
Yeah, I know. I know. It's awesome. Well, I will be coming down to Sydney or at least Melbourne Good. soon. I don't know. How far is Melbourne from Sydney? You said it was down south a little bit. You still got to do a flight. Yeah. It's still got to do a flight. Still a okay. while away. Yeah. Uh, well, my friend's over in New Zealand right now. And, and I was like, oh, you know, but uh, I know it's yeah, all it's down not, there. It's not just like one little drive. No. <laughs> to, no. to drive from uh, Melbourne to Sydney is probably about. I don't know, nine, 10 hours. So yeah, I, I wouldn't suggest driving. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Nope. It's, it's, it's puddle jumpers when I get there then. Yes. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, but one of the things is like, you know, just making sure that my biggest thing is that making sure there's a legacy left behind with what I'm doing. Cause I don't want to just have to, I want to be able to pass the torch onto somebody one day, you know, and say, here, here's the brand. Maybe I'm sitting on a beach in Tahiti or in, Sydney or somewhere and it's still with technology. It can still talk to me and kind of conduct some business, but I want to be able to travel and do the things I want to do. And it's one of the reasons yeah. why I became an entrepreneur. And it wasn't until just recently, we used to do a lot of in-person interviews. I'm sure you can relate with that of setting up the camera, the lights, the action, multi-cam coming back and editing the multi-cam and putting it through Final Cut Pro or Adobe, whatever you use. And doing all that work for like three, four hours of the work to get a seven minute interview or a 10 minute yes. interview in the box. And people don't, they think, Oh, you just get up there and you hit a button and go. And that's yeah, how easy it is. <laughs> right. No. And, and so, um, but being able to leave a legacy or, or give inspiration to others. And what was awesome is a few years back, you know, I would have a conversation with people and say, Oh, we're a live streaming DJ show and we're on, we're a featured partner with Twitch. And they first would say, why would I want to watch a DJ show? Why wouldn't I just go to the nightclub? And I'm like, okay, well, have you ever listened to this thing called radio before? Because um, <laughs> that's exactly what we're doing, number one. Number two, they go, what's Twitch? And I'd say, okay, well, let me put it like this. You know that company called YouTube that's owned by Google? Well, Twitch is a company that's basically ran by Amazon. And they go, oh, then their lives would light up. you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just kind of funny that now – Twitch is a household name. Live streaming DJs is a household name. People doing podcasts, especially over the last two years, I think they said it was double or triple the number of podcasts that came out. And I've been interviewed a number of times on series and they're like, what's the best advice you can give? I said, you know, one would just find a topic that you're passionate about and then go find out other people that are passionate and see if there's already other, if there's 5,000 people doing the same topic that you're doing, maybe refine that topic a little bit more. If they're talking about fishing, Maybe you talk about fly fishing. Maybe you talk about saltwater fishing. Maybe you mm. dial it down and then go find the best fly fishermen and the best saltwater fishermen and talk to those people in the industry and start making yourself stand out. Uh, and then consistency being the next, making sure you're always producing on the same day of the week or same time or you know however that's going to go. But um, it was just so interesting to see that boom happen. And it kind of justified after so many years a lot of the hard work that I did once I went from broadcast television to internet-based distribution. Mm. And uh, when, when in early 2020, my phone, my Facebook, my email was going off the hook because everyone's like, you're the guy that's been doing this for 10 years. What kind of cameras do I get? What do I do? How do I get around copyright? That's my favorite one right there. <laughs> there is no getting around copyright. <laughs> Pay your licensing. But that being said, what, you know, what has been the best decision that you've made in favor of your business career? 
I think it's kind of going back to what we said about the education. Um, you know, at, at the beginning, I'm like, nah, I don't need that. Raven Up's going well. If I fully put my time into it, it'd be great, even better. Um, but it's exactly what I needed just to, I guess, understand the industry a little bit better, how to make it more professional, um, know everything about, you know, what cameras I should be using, lighting, microphones, all of that. <laughs> So it says the girl that's wearing one of these today, but anyway. <laughs> As a, I already told Darren, unfortunately, my microphone decided to die today. Talk about bad timing. But anyway, the interviews, I, the microphone I usually use for my interviews. I've got to go buy another one today. That's my plan before my next interview. <laughs> um, luckily, my partner had one of these and I was like, good, okay. I'll just use that today. Otherwise, it sounded way too echoey in here. Um, and... I would also say probably uh, all of the networking I've done, um, you know, we spoke about that as well. And I was very blessed to the college I did go to, actually all the um, instructors or the lecturers actually worked in the industry like right now. So they're not like they're, you know, older and they haven't worked in the industry for 10 years. They were all in it right now and just doing it as a part-time thing while they're also working at, you know, Fox News and Channel 9 and, you know, some of the biggest... Uh, networks here in Australia so that was really refreshing because you could easily get um, we had to do internships as part to even pass our course mm -hmm. and a lot of those internships then turned into jobs so they have a huge like in terms of um, success rate uh, with jobs after after you graduate really really high it's like 98 percent or something nice and um, because of that, you know, I got to work at Today FM. I don't know if you've heard of that. That's one of the top uh, radio stations here in, a, in Sydney. Um, and then a, a couple of other TV stations as well. So uh, very, very blessed in that department. But also from who I've just interviewed, then they know people, they know people. It's just, it's always the six degrees of separation, isn't it? Um, and some of the incredible people I've been able to contact and even talk to and even become friends with, I'm very blessed to say, um, is all just because of the networking. So I always continue to make sure I'm going out and networking as much as I can. Um, and even, even though we get, we're at that stage now where we get actually asked to do interviews people email us to get yeah, yeah. exactly like yourself <laughs> thank you very much for getting in touch um <laughs> very blessed to finally be at that stage where in the beginning i would have to especially i was a one one girl show at the beginning that i would have to send out all the emails introduce ourselves can we interview this person and believe it or not talk about coming back to your roots i still do that to this day because not everyone knows about us yet. Like, we, we do have most of the contacts here in Australia, but overseas, you, not everybody in America knows about us. Um, we're really breaking into... We're really huge in Canada right now. I never thought that that would be a, a huge in Canada, but... Um, and Europe and things like that. So um, it's still good to this day to still kind of go back to what you did in the beginning and put out those emails, even give them a call. I don't do that as much because otherwise calling to America would uh, really rack up a bill for me. Yes. <laughs> but at least emails are fantastic. Um, and then just grab your tribe that you trust more than anything has been a big thing for me too. Because um, in the beginning, I just wanted to give a lot of friends that I made in the journalism uh, degree and everything. I was like, give them a chance because we've got so many viewers on our website and they need a chance to publish their work. So I'm like, come over, freelance, write all your stuff. 
And then, then they start getting full-time jobs and they doodle off. And yeah, so I'm just like, well, we'll stick with the select few that I know really are dedicated and mm-hmm. want to work full-time for me. They're the people that I really need to put the time and effort into. And I totally agree with what you said before about the face-to-face interviews. Oh, they were the days, weren't they? But I also feel like that was the days of way too much hard work <laughs> that you didn't realize. <laughs> now with Zoom and Restream and things like that, um, it's way simpler. It saves you time. Um, and then most of my time is just put into actually, I still do all the editing myself, which I'm very proud to say, just because I guess I'm a bit of a perfectionist and like it a certain way. <laughs> uh, but eventually I would like to put, put that onto somebody else as well. And then I can just focus on the stuff I love, which is the interviewing. And, and my next question, I'm glad you kind of segued right into that. How big is your team? <laughs> um, I, th- I think on the website, it's bigger than it probably is now. There has been a few people that have, as I said, gone on to full-time jobs and things like that, which I understand because um, a lot of them do actually work just free for me, um, which, you know, I, I will eventually pay them. Like there's some that I, I'm definitely going to be on the team in the future, um, but it's just while waiting for, you know, sponsors and things like that. Um, after, when COVID happened, that really put a little spanner in the works. So I'm glad I could still do my interviews and make money off YouTube, but sponsors really diddled off because they were doing, they weren't doing very good financially either. So, um, but you know, a lot of them still got so many amazing jobs and using me as references because of what they did for Rave It Up. Uh, mm. As I said, they were able to publish their work on a, you know, a website that has a lot of viewers, uh, which is one of the biggest issues, isn't it? Like people are just giving them a chance. So I wanted to give them a chance. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that answered your question, didn't it, Darren? <laughs> it did, it did, it did. It did. Uh, do you ever get nervous before an interview? Uh, yeah, between you and I, just, just a little bit. It depends who I'm interviewing. Um, like when I interviewed Hugh Jackman, hell yes, I was. Oh my goodness. I was like, why am I here? I was surrounded by so many, cause I actually had to go to Melbourne for that interview. It was oh, the wow. first time I had gone to Melbourne. First time I traveled by myself. Um, and first time doing, uh, I don't know if you heard it, press junket. So that's when they just chuck the celebrity in a room and then the, the interviewers just come in and do their thing. And you got nine minutes from when you walk in the door and I was like oh my goodness I didn't realize it was nine minutes like me sitting down getting you know while they're setting up the camera and stuff I was like oh it ended up being like a seven minute interview and I'm like oh (laughs) that's really hard for me I'm known for my in-depth interviews so seven minutes was so hard um but yeah I'm surrounded by while waiting all these presenters and interviewers that I've looked up to since I was a kid and I'm like why am I here (laughs) Yeah, I did not feel uh, like I was home at all. Um, and I was really nervous for that because obviously it's Hugh Jackman, first of all. And I've watched all the Wolverine movies. <laughs> I love him. Uh, you know, Greatest Showman and everything like that. I actually think that came out after I interviewed him. But anyway, uh, but growing up with him. So uh, mm-hmm. incredible actor. And now with a lot of Zoom interviews, uh I think I just feel because a lot of the interviews I do in my little home office, uh, my professional home studio with all my lighting and everything, need, need to make sure the lighting was nice for you too, too Darren, <laughs> today. <laughs> uh, I just feel because it's also at home, I feel more at home. So, you know, I could just be coming in just five minutes before the interview, set it all up and I'm ready to go. Where mm-hmm. I think being 
with the face-to-face interviews, it feels a little bit more out of your comfort zone because also you don't know, you might know where you're meeting up for the interview, but you're a little less in control of where you're going to be setting up, your lighting, things like that. You know, there's one interview that I have up on my YouTube channel uh, with Courtney Act, the drag queen. I don't know if you've heard of her. Uh, I get so many comments, people bagging me out for the lighting. I had absolutely no control over that whatsoever. They were like, you're doing it here, live with it, go ahead. And I'm like, the lighting is so bad. It was like a really dark restaurant. I should have just made it just a podcast episode, I think, (laughs) instead of filming it. Uh, but I, we did our best. Like a lot of people forget yeah. that, you know, it is something's totally out of your control. You just got to work with what you got. Um, but yeah, so it's a, uh, the face-to-face interviews. I do miss the whole face-to-face interaction because mm-hmm. that, that is the sort of person I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've really, I think I've aced the Zoom thing now. I, I really <laughs> do. I'm like, yep, I'm used to it now. And uh, it's way better than back in the days. I used to also do, if I couldn't meet them face-to-face, I'd do phone interviews. Mm-hmm. I'm never doing that again. I hate phone interviews. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think you get it too if you've done some phone interviews. Oh, especially internationally. You'd always have the delay. And oh, was, the delay was the biggest issue, really. Oh, yeah. Honest. No, I mean, I've gone, I've gone through all of that growth as well and learning. And, and one of the things that we did uh, about 10, well, 12 years ago, I actually bought a big glass box mobile billboard truck. I built a studio in the back of the truck. It was the fir- one of the first ever that I ever saw independently owned live streaming mobile studios that we could pull Ooh. up in front of the nightclubs, lights, camera, action, have DJs playing, sound system, do the interviews in the back of the truck because I control every single aspect. Lighting, audio, sound. And then at the end of the show, I don't have to break all my gear down. I just shut the back of the truck and go into the club and go party with the artist and hang out. I think you know? I need to invest in that too, Darren. That's a yeah, great idea. You can just it's, park it's, in front of a, a celebrity's house, get yeah. them to come out. Get them to come out, good. or yeah. you know, or somebody's in town and we won't, we can't do interviews in nightclubs because the music's too loud and the lighting sucks, and you have no footprint. So mm-hmm. we could just pull the truck right in front of the nightclub and have everyone kind of hang out, party, meet and greet back there. Or I could drive it up to their hotel, park it out in front of the hotel, have them come out, do the interview in front of the hotel and then drive off. Mm. Um, check it out on our website, the mobile session. Pretty, pretty cool. Um, What, who has been, I I get asked this question all the time. I think, you know, I'm going with this. Who's been (laughs) your most memorable interview that you've ever done? Well, Darren, I don't. I, I think I've learned now. I don't have one favorite. I have like a top five. Is that okay? Yeah, top five. Top five, great. <laughs> and believe it or not, everyone's so surprised when I say this. Hugh Jackman is not in that top five. I would say he like he's been a memorable interview because of I guess the stardom behind him. Um, but in terms of I guess content and the ones I've enjoyed the most, um, Hugh Jackman isn't in it. Unfortunately, sorry to say, guys. <laughs> Um, one of my most memorable uh, is a, I know a few of these are going to be Australian people, so you might go over your head, Darren, but that's okay. Uh, my Australian people know who I'm talking about. Uh, Todd McKenney, he's a huge uh, entertainer here in Australia. Um, he's in, I think he's in his 60s now. Sorry if I'm getting that wrong, Todd. Uh, but he, he's been around for decades and has been in heaps of musicals and cabaret shows and yeah, huge guy here. Um, been a TV presenter as well. He's He's been my, one of my most memorable because not only of the interview but also just how where we've gone since then. 
Um, he's one of my biggest mentors and supporters now. He's in the book. Uh, he actually wrote one of my forewords, which I'm really grateful for. And with him being in the industry for decades, he's been able to give me other interviews and bring me behind the scenes of that certain things as well. So I love him. Uh, uh, magician Cosentino, uh, he, he won like, uh, he was in Australia, he's got talent here uh, in Australia and he's gone on to do incredible things. He's friends with Chris Angel in Las Vegas and yeah, he's really gone all out. He's doing amazing things, very proud of him. He, uh, I interviewed him when his biography came out and we were so similar in terms of, I guess our, not that I have a biography book yet, but <laughs> that is the plan, like you said, <laughs> when uh, he released his, just how similar our lives were and how hard we worked. You know, a lot of people just thought Australia's Got Talent made him, but he was working for like 10 years before that, just doing his, you know, hustle and bustle and trying to get as many gigs as he could. Um, so he's another favourite. Um, ooh, it's funny, they've changed over the years. <laughs> um Shannon Knoll is another Aussie here from back Australian Idol days, ages ago. He uh, won it. And you may have heard of Guy Sebastian. He's huge now. Guy Sebastian came second. So he was just after him and everyone thought Guy should have won it. But anyway, I interviewed Shannon Knoll and I'm really glad I did because he's, he's had a really bad rep over the last, you know, probably five, ten years uh, with anger management and things like that. And I really got down to the nitty gritty of that and really exposed the fact that media were just writing the wrong things about him, taking things out of proportion, just pretty much, you know, catchy headlines. You get my point. <laughs> I love the nodding, Darren. Um, so, yeah, he'd be three, uh, four. Um, one of my recent ones. Um, I really love, have you ever watched the Cheaper by the Dozen movies? <laughs> I know of them. Yes. Uh, I interviewed the two little boys. They were the youngest in the whole cast. They were twin boys and redheads. They're all grown up now. They're like 24 years old and they they took a break. They actually retired from acting uh, after uh, they did Cheap by the Dozen and then Desperate Housewives. They were in that okay. for like four years and then they retired. I was like very young <laughs> and now they're getting back into acting now after I guess enjoying their childhood and doing study and everything. They were very memorable because uh, I, I grew up with the Chip by the Dozen movies. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Uh, and my fifth favourite, I'm kind of leaving one of the best to last, uh, Adam Savani, he was in the Step Up movies. He's the guy with the really curly hair, he plays Moose. He's the only character out of the Step Up franchise that has been a constant because a lot okay. of the, they just recast every single movie pretty much. He's been the only constant. And huh. when I first interviewed him, he already knows this, so it's not like I'm bad-mouthing him. I already told him and we found it hilarious. First time I interviewed him was over the phone. We were talking about over the phone before. We hate that. So there was delay, but also he was so, no offence to him, I, I was going in with such high expectations because I love the movies, and I'm a dancer myself too, professional dancer. So I was going in with high expectations and then he was so boring. <laughs> he was so boring. He just sounded like he didn't want to be there. And I was thinking, oh, maybe he was just having a bad day or something. And then when I check out other interviews, he's been exactly the same. And he apparently, when I uh, actually met him, he, I found out he hates interviews, hates oh. them. 
and I'll, and so he's going into every interview, I guess, with that mentality, uh, which is not great. <laughs> but he ended up, I, I, need, I needed his permission to be in my book. So he's in my book. And <laughs> when I was uh, talking to the, the publicist, they're like, oh, great timing, Lauren. He's actually coming to Sydney next week. Would you like to do another interview in person? And I'm like, uh... Uh, if it's going to be as boring as last time, no. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? It was, I love that you're laughing. Thank you. <laughs> I was thinking, you know what? It might just be because it's over the phone. Let's give him another chance. Sure, let's do it in person. And it ended up being one of my all-time favourite interviews because not only he just did one on a, a TV show here in Australia, a huge network, and... He came back and I was like, so how was it? And he went, so crap. <laughs> He's like, I was so bored. It was like I wasn't even there because it's one of those panel shows. So they have a few hosts. And then you could tell that they didn't really do their research. All they really knew is that he was in the Step Up movies and he was here to do some dance workshops. That was it. Hmm. Um, where I really did my research. I knew like how his childhood was. His parents were, owned a dance school and all this. So I really, you know, I, met, I did my uh, research. I put the mm -hmm. effort in. And he just felt like because all the other panelists were talking amongst themselves, it was like, you know, he might as well have not been there, <laughs> unfortunately. And anyway, as soon as we, uh, you know, did the interview and started off, in the first five minutes, he actually turned to me and said, luckily it wasn't live, Lauren, you are so good at this and I can see you've done your research. You've put a lot of time into this. I love your energy. You're so nice. You're so humble. Let's restart. <laughs> I was like, really? And he's like, yes, let's restart. And you've got like my full attention. You got a full hour with me. Let's do this. And like, we're around the same age too. So we got along really well and had, a, you know, several things in common. And he ended up even shooing away his, you know, I guess team. He's like, you guys, cause it was like, we did it in a kind of a bit of a private foyer area of his hotel. He's like, you guys go, go back up to the room. I'm going to stay here with these guys, uh, you know, me and my cameraman. And we're like, okay, wow. So we got a full like hour with him. He was chatting to us like another half an hour afterwards too. He was like so invested in us. And he's like, Lauren, and this was like such a huge compliment. And I'm not just saying it like, you know, pretending I'm up myself. I'm not, you know, me very humble, but he was just like, Lauren, when I come back to Australia, you're the only one I want to interview me. That is the biggest compliment I've ever received that it, it was that good. And now it's got, you know, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of views, that video. Um, and people are just amazed at how much he opened up where he has not done that in any other interview. So I'm gonna, that's why I left it for my last one. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations on that. Thank and you, you mentioned you're a dancer. You, you mentioned you're a dancer, professional dancer. Are you a fan of electronic music? Yes, I am. I don't and, dance for electric, you know, and, electro and, music. But. And if so, who is your favorite DJ? Oh, I, I'm going to probably sound a little bit like uh, bringing it back to old school. Uh, I still love David Guetta. Whenever he releases something, I'm like, and I noticed you interviewed him, by the way, and Steve Aoki. I was like, damn. Yes. It was on your little list of people you interviewed, huh? Um, <laughs> Yeah, when uh, I, I, anything he releases, I always have to check it out. I, I love him. Um, and I mentioned Steve Aoki too. I think he's incredible. And just over the years, I've like, come across some even lesser known DJs here in Australia that I think are amazing as well. Um, who else do I love listening to? 
Um, I feel like I'm totally missing one and I'm going to hate myself after this interview going, why didn't I say that? Let's stick with David Ghetto. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's something from your book, from your playbook. In two minutes, tell us about the two-minute hot seat game. <laughs> so two-minute hot seat game is uh, a question-answer game. So I ask my guests various questions of what – they have to just pick their preference. So it's like dogs or cats or singing or dancing, and they have to answer as many questions in two minutes as possible. Uh, and then I have a leaderboard of everyone that's played the game over 12 years, uh, and then we see where they sit on the leaderboard up against everyone else. So it, it creates that little bit of competitive element. I grabbed that idea from Top Gear, you know, when they do the lap around and then there's a leaderboard. People love that because they're like, I have to beat so-and-so, especially if they know someone on, you know, they're friends with someone on the list. Uh, and that's always a lot of fun because it's also a great way for the audience to get to know the actual person better too, mm-hmm. you know, whether they whether they like Chinese or Italian food or they like um, comedy or action, you know. <laughs> I have a, a list of questions I put together over the years, and some of them, some of them, like I just kind of play and see how the interview is going before I go and ask them. Sometimes I'm just like, "Nope, I'm going all out. I want to." Here's a question right now, you know. Um, well, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the DJ Sessions presents the virtual sessions this evening. Is there any last things you'd like to let our DJ Sessions fans know about before we let you go? Well, uh, we've got our book that's just behind me. That's why I put it there. <laughs> if you would like to grab a copy of that uh, and everything in terms of Rave It Up, our interviews, um, our celebrity articles that we put up, they're all on raveituptv.com. Uh, same with the website. Yep, down below, guys. Over, over that way, that way, that way. For that me, way. it's here. Yeah, I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> the camera is uh, opposite. There you go. Down there, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's all on there. Uh, and I also, if you want to email us, it's all on there. And I read all those emails as well. Uh, so you can go to there. Otherwise, thank you so much for having me, Darren. It's been so much fun. I love You're your welcome. questions. And, you know, I, we're definitely going to follow up with you and stay in contact with you because you have so much stuff going on. I mean, it's not, Rave It Up is, is, is not just celebrities. I mean, there's anime, there's sports, there's radio. There's music. There's probably a bunch of other things. It (laughs) it reminds me of my first broadcast television series when I I would tell people, oh, we have an art show, a fashion show, a restaurant show, a nightlife show, a comedy show, all these different – it was basically a variety show, but each one was its own thing. And it just seems like it's an awesome product, and you're doing a really great job curating it, putting it together, and and keep it going because the world needs more independent – producers, podcasters, content creators out there. And and it also, not only that, mentors or people that want to get started can go to and look up to and say, how did you get started? How did you do this? Um, I think that's Absolutely. one of the other bigger kicks I like about being in this business for so long that I do get to deal with so many people that are top-level people but also – just starting out as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, life. you know, I mentioned I read all the emails. So if anybody has any questions, mm-hmm. they want yeah. advice. I've also always let a lot of people be interns for me as well, just to mm-hmm. kind of get that little bit of start because I know how hard it is to, to really start off. Uh, so happy to give any advice to anybody out there, whether you're in Australia or any other country around the world. <laughs> awesome. Lauren, thank you so much for your time and being on the show. Thank you. We'd love to have you on mine in the future. How's that sound, Darren? Yeah, that works. I'd love to be on it. Story too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, well keep up the incredible it, product. You heard it right from Lauren herself. Raveituptv.com. Uh, Raveituptv.com coming soon, and possibly. 
maybe a TV series spinoff. I was reading that on the side. He's still working towards that goal. Yeah, well, it's funny. My my goals have changed over the years. That uh, <laughs> I think we were even talking about when you when you were mentioning about the TV networks and everything. The original plan was to have something like the Ellen Show or something here in mm-hmm. Australia, um, because we don't have anything like that here in Australia. But Unfortunately, uh, you know, it isn't the way to go anymore these days, as you know, too, you know, podcasting is the way to go. And obviously, like every single interview we do is also on YouTube. So I film every single interview. So it's kind of it's TV and a bit of podcasting. So it's a bit of both. It's good that everything crosses over these days. So go to YouTube as well if you want to see it visually. (laughs) Awesome. Lauren, again, thank you for coming on the show. We look forward to talking with you. Soon. Thanks, Darren. We'll You're chat welcome. to you soon on my show. <laughs> Bye. 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 On, that, on that note, don't forget to go to our website, thedjsessions.com. Find us on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Meta, Twitch, Instagram. But our website is the best place to go for interviews, music, news, and more. Also, look us up on Roku, Google Play, and Amazon Fire, and soon to be Apple TV. This is Darren, and that's Lauren coming to you all the way from Sydney, Australia. And I'm in the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington for the DJ Sessions Presents. The virtual sessions, and remember, on the DJ sessions, the music never stops. Bye.